life is a big preparation for death, right? Because it's like you let go of your youth, you let go of material things, you let go of your dreams, you let go of disappointment, and then finally you let go of your parents, and then finally you let go of you. Here we are, Dave Ferrugio again, another episode of Dead Talks. I really need to work on my introduction, but I have a new friend here who was recently introduced to me. It's only been a few days now, actually, uh, with a mutual friend who he thought would be good for the podcast. He is a agent. He's a producer, a comedian, which I learned in person moments ago with some of his jokes. We'll see if he pulls them on air. <laughs> um, he also has his own podcast he's doing for a couple of years called Outliers TV. His name is George Perez. George, how are you, man? What's up? So I'm just had to say George. We already spoke about yeah, that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Tell you more about the whore hey jokes. Okay. <laughs> no more whore. So we get to know each other better. No more whore hey jokes, but even though I thought I said that really well. Anyway, George, thank you so much for being here again. And uh I'm I'm not gonna spill the beans on your story. I'd rather you, you know, say it how you want to say it. And you can start wherever you want to start and we'll just roll from there. Yeah. Um, do you wanna hear a little whore hey joke? You got a So I mean, I, I basically on this, I go, I always start my comedy set. One of the things I started with is saying how all the Jorge's become George when they moved to the US and we don't, we don't want to admit it, but it's because the word whore is part of our name and it didn't happen to Juan's. It didn't happen to Jose's, but it happened. To, and finally I say, I don't have any, I don't get any respect for my name, not even from Siri. Okay. All right. <laughs> So the other day, an Uber took me home, and when we got to my house, Siri announced, you've arrived at Jorge's house. And I'm like, seriously, Siri? You don't know me, bitch. You don't know my life. That was in the past. Jorge is a new one. Jorge, Jorge. Yeah. And he started laughing, too. He was like... With the Uber driver or Siri? Yeah, the Uber driver. Okay, okay. No, not Siri. That's like... That's Terminator shit. Yeah. She would have been laughing at what she said. Um, so what do, you wanna, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? I love the picture of your old man. Yeah. That's Very it. sweet. He looks. He told me I look, I look like him. Apparently, you look like I mean, him. He looks damn good in that photo. So I mean, I'll take yeah. it. I don't know if he that is. was a heavy compliment, but yeah, it looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I kind of got my dad looking down at me. Um, if anyone out looking on YouTube, right behind me on the wall, one of my favorite photos of my dad. So yeah, that's why I started this. But uh, what brought you? What brings you here today? I know you have a story to share. Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I love the name of your podcast, Dead Talks. Dead Talks. Dead Talks. Um, that's what we're doing. Yeah, you know, I well, obviously, you know, as I was telling you a little before, my my dad passed away last year. He had a he was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, the previous back in August of the year before. So um, from yeah, I think it was July August, and then he passed away on Easter of last year. And um, you know that um, that's a a train, right? When when you embark, I, I know obviously. You know, death is death, right? And and we had a different, different. Our parents had a different departure. Yours was so sudden, and mm -hmm. and my dad's was, you know, kind of watching the whole movie um, unravel. And right. it, and um, it, it it was it was a a beautiful, very painful um, journey. But um, but um, but it was but it was powerful and you know I, I had the privilege of being his uh stem cell donor so oh, wow. we were a match uh genetically and that was a whole nother joke because uh, I, I had to take an std test and i was like well. <laughs> i was like dad you know for a gay man an std test is like vegas yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
either you go big and you're fine or you go home. (laughs) So when the lady sat down, the nurse sat down with my results, she's like, you're all clear and STDs, you're all fine. I was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, nothing, nothing with an H? She was like, no. And I was like, well, no shit. And then, and then it was funny because then I went to see my dad the, the next day and I randomly, man, I, I don't know how I, I happened to be getting these weird Elton John bags, like goodie bags sent to my address by mistake. And it was like an Elton John, like tour, tour gift bag that I, I just happened to have in my house. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it to my dad. And when I gave him the bag, I was like, listen, dad, since you are going to have my dna i figured that this is a good starter kit an elton john goodie bag and i was like and it there was like a pen a shampoo a toothbrush and at the end i was like dad and after you get my stem cells i want you to know if there's anything you want to tell me you can tell me you can talk to me i love you you're my dad and i accept you no matter what he recovers he comes out a little gay yeah (laughs) that's amazing and he was like really i'm like yeah anything you're my dad i love you no matter what so um that's great we we you know my dad and i stopped living with my dad when i was 12 because i moved to the u.s and he stayed in venezuela long story short they were supposed to come the following year and 20 years later he finally came. So I, I, I didn't live with him anymore, but we were tight. We, um, I always felt like he had my back. I never felt like, uh, I, I felt like he gave it the best he could. And, um, and obviously, you know, I'm sure you felt the same way when our parents leave, you think all the could have, should have, would have, you know, and, and then you finally hit that moment where you're like, you know what, everything happened the way it was supposed to, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you kind of put away any kind of regrets. So, you know, before the uh, couple of the jokes you just mentioned, you mentioned how it was a beautiful and painful ride. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the beautiful isn't a part of what you just told me now. Is that what you meant? Like, what, how, how, how was it? Was it beautiful afterwards or were you recognizing certain things during the ride? Because obviously the painful part is probably obvious to most people listening, but to realize, to see the beauty in a process like that, how, how, how do you mean? Well, I think the beauty was uh, just getting closer with him and having. Um, I mean, certainly it's not beautiful to see somebody's body literally decaying, right? right. And, and, and just a poor guy had to go through so much, so much chemo. I think, I think you're right. I think that the beauty comes afterwards. Um, but we did have, especially, you know, right the day before I was telling my friend this story today, funny. Um, I was just telling David, I was just, um, at Mal- in Malibu where I scattered my dad's ashes today and I and it's by this beach that I always go to so that's why I did it there I'm like I'm always here so might as well do it here <laughs> it just happens to be next to the rosé yeah so um and I um I um I the the you know I was my dad's stem cell donor so the day before the transfusion I was having this kind of um moment where I thought you know the mind is so great at at kind of taking us down in a way so i was like does he really accept me is like i'm, I'm gonna give him like a, my dna and but am i it, it, does he really know who i am and does he love me and we did have this powerful moment where he um he was like he was such a latino that he he made a he made a he made a homophobic comment but it's, it's he didn't mean it okay. <laughs> he didn't mean it he didn't mean it. Um, but we did have this moment where I was like, dad, you know, I'm gay. I don't, I mean, why you got to say shit like that, dad? And he was like, you know, I love you. And um, I didn't mean it. And um, 
and, and I'm so proud of you. And then I asked him, you know, I'm like, dad, wh why do you want to live? Oh, wow. And, that's a powerful question. And he paused and he said, I don't know. And then he said, I want to travel more. And then I said, okay. And then he said, I want to make fun of more people. <laughs> and, then, and then that's when I started laughing. I was like, all right, well, I, you know, sign me up for that. Yeah, and, and, then, and it's funny, then a nurse walked in and the moment got lighter and, and that's all we needed. You know, we, we just needed to have like an authentic moment where I wasn't putting my expectations on how my dad should be and how, what acceptance from a father looks like. Just a real moment was all that I needed. And so it's wild to think that it took this to kind of bring that moment or did you have moments like this prior? I think, I think there were always like little moments where I always, you know, felt whether, whether it was his, his acceptance or love. But I think that that moment was the last real true moment before obviously the, the transplant and then before his passing, because then I had to come back to LA and then it just things turned, you know, took a dive. So right. um, he was in Miami. So this, th that whole year I was going back and forth. Um, but, um, but, um, but it was, um, you know, I don't know about you, but my, my relationship with my father really started after he died. Um, where I- After. After, after yeah. yeah. Where I, and not because he wasn't present before, because he was, but now it's like, he's everywhere you know and i feel his present and and i always tell people this i always say you know i i think that life is a big preparation for death right because it's like everything like everything you let go of your youth you let go of material things you let go of your dreams you let go of disappointment and then finally you let go of your parents and then finally you let go of you right so everything is just preparing you for the ultimate letting go so letting go of our parents is like the one before right mm -hmm. um and i and i i tell people that i know it feels so scary but you don't want to miss out on the other part because when they there's something so sweet and beautiful about saying goodbye and you can't say goodbye if you don't leave and when you say goodbye you it's almost like you acknowledge someone for everything they everything they were everything they were not everything that worked everything that didn't work and you say goodbye and it's beautiful because that's when you can't miss someone if they don't leave yeah and and missing is a beautiful emotion especially a parent missing is and i'm not i'm not like masochistic but it's a it's a beautiful um it's a beautiful pain right yeah no i 100 percent agree and i think uh it's hard for people to realize that unless you've experienced it, because I think it comes off maybe a little bit masochistic if yeah. you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, I've always said there's a beauty in tragedy, and it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's really not. I think that's when you make a lot of realizations. And like you said, your, your relationship started after he he died, and I think you know that's actually a unique thing I've heard, which makes, it makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot of beauty in it. But that depends how you take it. So it's interesting when I hear someone like you take it like that. I always wonder why some people go the other direction and don't see the light in something that can be beautiful. It's, I mean, it's contradictory. Yeah. But um, I want to ask you in regards to what you're saying, was it, did it make it be better or worse or did it make it easier or harder having that amazing like, kind of finale moment with your father prior to dying? Like, was it closure or did it kind of 
like, how did you, how did you see that? Was it just strictly closure? Or was it, did it make it even harder because like I had this amazing moment and now he's gone. Does that make sense? Um, I think it made it way better because I, I felt that we had a, a, a really beautiful moment before his death would, which we hadn't had one in a while, nor was I expecting to have any kind of a moment. I mean, the poor guy was like wrestling with keeping himself alive, right? Um, but the actual last moment before, the last moment that I remember having with him was actually really monumental as well because he he couldn't breathe, so he had to be intubated. And, and it was like that moment where the nurse, the... I mean, I guess like the hospital practitioner comes and and he has to sign off on being intubated. And here he is gasping for air and they're like, do you agree to be intubated? And do you wave? And he's like, <gasps> he's just trying to get his answers in. And it was him on the bed and my sister, me and my stepmom all around him. And we're basically saying goodbye before he gets intubated. And it was so weird because I flew to Miami the night before because my sister called me two days before. She's like, you need to come home. Like, you need to come home now. And it was it was right before Coachella weekend one. So I had to <laughs> had to modify my plans, <laughs> which was great time. And death. Easter, right? It was like great time. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was. Um, District- oh, no, no, no. So it was, right. It was the week before Easter that he was intubated, but he actually died on Easter. Got it. So, okay, so, so I different, came back. Different yeah, moment. Okay, I got came it. Back. So, um, Sheesh. So I, um, so so we had that moment. So I flew to Miami, Coachella weekend one, and um, and and I got there that night. And the next day, I was getting ready to go to the gym. I'm in Miami. I'm like, I'm gonna show up to the hospital at a cool eleven thirty. And then my sister, my stepmom, called and she's like, No, you need to come to the hospital now. Like he's not doing well. So my sister and I rushed to the hospital, and we literally caught him. Like, man, I. Had I been, had I gotten there five minutes later, I would have missed out on the last time I saw my dad conscious. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. After that, he was intubated for the next week or so. But, but man, it was, and it, it's made me think so much about my life. And I, and I invite people to take this on, like, no matter how much someone has like a family, right? A, a wife or a husband and kids and grandkids and all that or no matter how lonely you are that you don't have those things that our society creates as the pinnacle of a, of a successful family life or whatever, man, you're going to take that journey by yourself. And when my dad was sitting there not being able to breathe right before they intubated him and my stepmom and me and my sister were all around him and he had to wave us goodbye. I don't know, man. I just got this crazy like realization of like, oh man, the hero's journey is all on your own. You just saw that? You just yeah. saw the fact that he was saying leaving by himself? Yeah, like it's just like, it doesn't matter how much love you have on the outside. I mean, listen, we need people and I mean, God bless that he had such a beautiful support system and love around him. But when we face the music, it's 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 you're inside this this bag of bones and it's all you. you know? That's scary? What did that make you feel? Um, it just made me, it gave me perspective on on the idea that we have of being lonely. In a way, it made me think like we're all lonely. Whether you're surrounded by a million people, this is a journey that you take on your, that you take by yourself. Yeah. So it's weird. It's twofold, right? There's a part that's like, oh shit, that sucks. But there's another part that says, um, no matter where you are in the spectrum of family, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because 
you're going to take this ride by yourself. I mean, it's like you're you're going into like the you're in Six Flags and you're going into like the double mate. Like I was literally thinking Six Flags. Yeah, I, it's funny you said that because I was like, th- my first thought was Six Flags. I was like, no, maybe it's getting in an airplane. So I was having an inner monologue of like, wait, what is this like? No, I, I think it's like double the what's like the the really hardcore in Six Flags the double X the oh uh, X two X two yeah like you're writing that shit alone yeah. And you can be with your best friend, but it's like, no, you're you're gonna ride that X2 by yourself and you're gonna lose your cell phone for sure. <laughs> you're not even bringing your cell phone. Yeah, that, that thing's gone. But so. it's a it's a I mean, it's interesting because you're kind of sandwiched, I wonder if you're because you're they're saying goodbye, you were your face family was around him. So like he's yeah. not alone there. But whatever that next phase is, what it would it maybe maybe it's a quick little ride alone and then maybe you see some other people. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I um I've had a, I've had two really huge things that happened. I don't know if you if you dreamt with your dad. Did you dream with your dad afterwards? Did you have dreams? With yeah, him? I, I've had a few that stand out. Yeah. One, one really stands out. Um, but another episode, I was mentioning how I think the episode I just recorded yesterday was talking how I yearn to dream so much about him, and it happens when I don't force it, but I try. Yeah. I actually do try. Yeah. Are you? I'm taking. You've had dreams. Yeah. I well, I I had one huge vivid one which was right it was on the plane right back from the funeral which i in my dream i was a little kid and you know dreams are like all over the place and and i remember that he was in my classroom and i couldn't see his body but i could see a light it was just a light and i recognized him so i was like puppy puppy what do you need what do you you need you are you okay are you okay okay and then are you talking in spanish in the dream yeah okay cool it was mixed just curious yeah it was mixed actually and then he but he would he would speak to me in spanish and most of the time i I would talk to him back in english and Mm. so in this dream i'm I'm just kind of getting all kind of hectic trying to figure out if he's okay and he he just i could hear his voice and i've never heard his voice so calm and the voice said jorjito that's what he used to call me he goes jorjito and i'm like he's like he goes estoy bien Estoy bien, papito. And I'm like, I'm like, really, really? Is de verdad? Is it? He's like, estoy bien. Oh, Which no way. It's so peaceful. Bien, so he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it was him. And it was him without the weight of the body. It was him without any kind of consideration that he had. It was just like the cleanest version of, of him, you know? And, um, so that was one pretty surreal one. And then a year ago, I did um, <laughs> I did toad medicine, which is kind of like- DMT? Uh, yeah, DMT, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, a spe- it's not straight up DMT, but it's, it's like a 30-minute ride that makes you release DMT. It's not like a little toad with a spoon handing you something, right? No, it's not. It's okay. Okay. But it felt that way. <laughs> and when I did it, I relived- I was back in that hospital room, but in but I I felt like I was experiencing what he experienced. Oh shit! Which was so frightening, and it was just so. It it was. I feel what I what I what I describe it as. It's it's almost like the ego realizing that it's about to die, and it's freaking the fuck out. It's Is it like painful. Or just yeah, horrifying? just it's fear, like horrifying, like horrifying. Like I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And then once we passed that point of death, it was nothing but love. It was all love. And and I went from like sobbing to like, ah, like it was love. So so I get, and hopefully, I mean, this is my greatest wish for 
for everyone and myself, it's to, to have that kind of knowing before that moment of death comes because I think the egos, it's weird. This is how I can describe it. It's almost like, you know, we're, we're so danger wired, right? We're, we're so, we're so wired to like, uh, evade danger, like danger, danger, or whatever, instincts. because your, your instincts are, are all about survival, but yet your soul knows that there's nothing wrong with death. Yeah. So it's weird. So your senses are like, this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. But then when you transition, it's all love. And then you're like, oh my God. Been worrying this whole time. Yeah. That is an interesting way to put it. Cause yeah, by in nature, we are, you know, survival instincts. All we want to do is survive, survive, yeah. survive. We're wired for survival. We're wired for yeah. survival. And that almost has a contradictory effect what you're saying. And obviously the soul's purpose perhaps of being okay with dying. Yeah. But this whole life of fearing of dying, we have to survive, we have to survive, almost makes you think you're, we're innately supposed to think that death is a bad thing. Yeah. It's not, obviously we want to live, but it's interesting to hear those stories and your experience because are you, at, does that mean you're at peace with death right now as much as you can be? Like, what is your perceptive, perceptive, um, I can't even speak. I, I, perception. Perceptive, perception. Um, you know what I am? I mean, here's the thing, right? Whether you're religious or spiritual or whatnot, it's funny, I- I did um, <laughs> I did um, a ketamine therapy like two weeks ago. Have you ever heard of that ketamine yeah, therapy? Yeah, I mean, I've, you've I've, heard of I've, Special I, K. <laughs> yes, but I, I've heard I've heard more uh, you know medicinal reasons for. Yeah, ketamine. yeah. So, so the therapy you do it with a doctor, and 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 you have to. Uh, it's an hour, and they you know they they do a time release to your veins and the whole thing. But um, I can see why it's very successful for people that are um, suicidal because you immediately, you realize that you're more than just this body. You have this surreal life, like spiritual experience. And I think that that's what, um, if we had an unwavering faith about there's more to life than just these, what, 70, 80, 90 years that we have here, then we could, if we, the more that we were okay, the more that we could be okay with death, the more that we would be okay with living. I couldn't have said that any better. Yeah. And so true. And I think that's, that's the point of, in my head, not that my head says anything right, but the idea of getting comfortable with death is like, once you can get comfortable with death, that's when you can truly start to live, yeah. as you said. And I, think, yeah. I truly believe in that because yeah. if we're constantly living in fear in general, whatever it is, whether it's death or something else, it's a little harder to live. But it's interesting when you said how that would potentially help um, you know, suicidal patients. And, and, I, and I think, and you know, my theory about it is because <clears throat> suicidal patients are so, the ego is so, the ego has hijacked the whole machine, mm -hmm. which you're basically like, you can't see past like how you fucked up your life or you don't have the career you want or you don't have the spouse you want or you have the spouse you hate or whatever. And you have no bandwidth to consider that you're just passing by and that you're going to move on to something else. So that to me, I mean, I, and I could only speak for myself, right? But thinking that there's more to life past the coronavirus or whatever gives me peace. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so you're saying whatever the next phase, there is another phase. And right. If, and being there another phase, is that phase, like, in your opinion, absolutely bliss? Or is it like, you said love, is, do you believe it is? There's the ebbs and flow, the ebbs and flows of life, good, evil, you know, ups and downs of everything. Did you, in your opinion, do you witness or do you believe that the next step is like yeah. more consistent love? I think the next step is, I think the next step is that that next phase is actually you're in pure love. Right. Um, 
I do see, see, but who knows, right? I mean, is it like school? Is it like you're in summer school? Is it like you're home for the holidays, but then something come, else comes fall, you have to come back to school? Oh, God, maybe, it's maybe. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me, right? You know what's so crazy? So I've had in the past two years, right before COVID, I've had 20 people that have died on me. 20 people? 20 people. How, 2018, how? 2019. 20 people? 20, my landlord committed suicide. My accountant committed suicide. My friend Matt died of a heart attack at 42. My friend Carol died of a brain aneurysm at 52. My friend Alex died of cirrhosis of the liver at 43. My friend Silvio committed suicide. Anyway. The list goes on. No, I'm like, I'm like the black angel of death. <laughs> You're collecting deaths right now. Jesus. But you know what? So, and I, and I was talking to this psychic friend of mine and, and, um, apparently the, um, it, it's almost like essential workers, I guess, like consciousness or whatever has needed all these people to come in in order to help and assist all the people that were going to come in through COVID. Wait, who, so who are the people that are helping you? The, the like apparently, the, according to the psychic, right? Okay, right. The people that have died in the last two years on me were like angels that were kind of summoned up to be ready for this. They're like customs, like TSA? No, like like essential workers. Yeah. Like they needed nurses, ah. which is interesting. I mean, listen, again, this is all- No, I, I don't know. Maybe. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. But I just, I, I just in my experience, it's been so wild that 20 people, 20 people that's before- That's a lot of- before, some, people, some people don't even- like. Don't even experience that in a lifetime. Yeah. In and circle. from all ages. It wasn't like old age or some crazy cancer. So um what does that do to you? You know what? It actually um sometimes it hurt a lot, but it also it it revigorated me and made me realize like, dude, I'm just this is like I'm here for a minute. Like, what am I sweating that I need to just let go of? What am I not working on that I need to work on? What am I, you know, um, Today I was in Malibu with a friend of mine and I'm like, this is, I mean, when else would we be on a Tuesday just celebrating life? And I'm here um, in the place where my dad's ashes are. So, um, I mean, and I sympathize, we're all having our different experiences about our, the current situation, but man, if this, if this is not the biggest, loudest speaking sign of like, you gotta seize the day, then I don't know what is, no matter what that is for you. Yeah, it, it, the challenge from the challenge is, I guess, maintaining that. Because you, you, you ever have just those mo moments, like you just said, where it's a moment of realization or inspiration. But then, like, how many times have you personally, for me, I'm talking about myself, where it's like, I feel those moments, let's do it. And then it, it ebbs and flows again, where it's like, you don't have that motivation. How do you maintain that? Do you have to lose 20 people to realize, to like maintain that motivation to live every day like that? Well, but, well the first thing that I would say is, why do you have to maintain it? Why, why, yeah. why, why, you know, I think as a society and we do, we all do this, right? It's like, why there's happiness and peace of mind is so over glamorized. <laughs> like we're a human being filled with all these different emotions, right? Like whether it's rage or jealousy or how about every single emotion having their own real estate mm. in, in the, in the, in, in, in your gamut of emotions, yeah. Instead of like trying to like, oh, everything is fine. I'm happy, but right. just kind of. And I get what you're saying. I, I think right. the I'm, same yeah, way. 100%. And I, I'm I'm the same way, right? Like how I rather feel a state of ecstasy and gratitude and joy, and and not really entertain feelings of grief as much as I can, right? Yeah. So I was making sure you're still on my camera, yeah, yeah. right? 
you're bigger than me, so you yeah. know to make sure. Hey, uh, but I, I, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I can't say I can't say I'm never going to say everyone, everyone, but there is a, a sense of, and that's not what I meant that we have to like always put this, yeah. like always have to be happy. That's not life. Like I think you you need those ups and downs as part of that's how you you said it earlier in, in your own way of how like that's how you realize how do you know happiness without pain? How do you know yeah. happiness without sadness? So I, I'm very clear on that. I think it's just, uh, I guess what I was trying to say is how do we make people realize that? Cause you've had a, a unique experience of losing your father, losing 20 people. So you've had lessons to be learned. And then some people that haven't lost as many people as you have, maybe not don't make that realization. It's like, how, how do you, how does, how does someone like that make that realization without experiencing death firsthand? Yeah. I, I, my answer is I don't know, uh, but, but, but it's interesting that I, I, I can tell you that, um, it's, it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very unique pain, right. To lose a parent or to lose close people to you, but it, it, um, it builds you and you can hear it in someone's voice. Right. I'll never forget when I, I had a friend of mine and and she was somebody that, you know, her mom like left when she was young and she had to raise her own sister and she had to really kind of uh, grow up fast. And I remember she, I, I heard her speak once and she sat next to me and this is before I knew her. And I, I said, you know what, you can, um, you can hear the, you can hear the, the, the maturity and the pain in your voice. Um, and, and it sounds so beautiful. I, I think a, a, losing a parent just creates this kind of l like love and and growth that people that haven't experiences don't have that haven't had that experience don't have don't you think yeah 100 percent. i mean i noticed that with other people i can't i can't really i like to think i notice that with myself with a certain perspective i have in life but i can only see it in other people for the most part but that's definitely like I, we're all part of a club yeah it is like the what, that was not the Mile High Club. It's like the <laughs> Mile Low Club. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's some kind of club. Uh, but no, I get it. It, it, it makes sense that- um, The grown-up club. Is that what it is? Grown-up club? Yeah. I think, you know, you're definitely a grown-up when that happens. I mean, how much real does it get when, you, when death is death? Like, there's, what, what else is- like, you know what I mean, that's, that's it. Death. Yeah. So if you experience it in a, in a very intimate way, it has to- it, sh it changes- it has to change you. Like, once you experience like that and realize the finality of it, it's one of those things where you don't think it's going to happen to you. It's like all the crazy shit that happens in the world that seems so distant on the news, it's harder to relate to it when it's not in your circle. And once you experience something that's that close to you, that's when you really feel it. Yeah. And, it and it's a mark that stays with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how you take it. Yeah. So let me ask you, so what propelled you to start this podcast? Good question. Um, no, I, I just, I mean, without boring everyone to death, it's, it obviously extends from my own experience losing my dad. And growing up from the eyes of my mother, always explaining to me how I, she wished I would just express more. And I guess I didn't. A lot of those things I forget growing up. You know, I lost my dad when I was 12. So I'm a little hazy about how I grieved with it as a kid, becoming a man today. And at some point, I don't know when it was, I just, all I know is how I am now, but I, I became comfortable just being vocal about it. And mm -hmm. from what I remember, I wasn't. And my connecting the dots was, you know, talking about it, letting it out is okay. And I think it's made me feel better. It's made me realize a lot of things, just talking things out. You, you learn things as you just say it out loud. And I just realized the importance of talking about it. My mother was, was right in that aspect. And 
also conjoined with that was my dad died on a public stage on September 11th, mm-hmm. which made me kind of feel, I don't want to say frustrated, but I, I had a different perspective that why am I getting all the attention every anniversary? Why am I getting those texts every year, which I'm grateful for? And the clear answer is everyone remembers 9-11. Not everyone remembers Joe down the street that lost mm. his dad to a heart attack on a Wednesday on June 17th. You know what I mean? So it's right. partially the combination of realizing the importance of talking and also shedding the light on other people that may not get the same recognition that I have. And mm. just that's two answers. I can go on and on, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to make this conversation easier. And hearing some someone like you that might not, I'm sure you get texts from people that, that you know, like in your circle, but for the most part, you know, I get texts every anniversary, which I'm grateful for. I love it. It's amazing. The, the, the love I get is truly amazing. But if my dad didn't die on 9-11, I'm not getting all that. Yeah. Not, not because of my dad, <laughs> but just like, no, nine, who the hell is forgetting 9 December 25th is Christmas, 9-11 is 9-11. So it's like, but just partially of thinking of my other friends that I've lost, my other friends that I've lost people and, you know, they, they died on a normal day. So I think it's important to discuss other people's stories. Yeah. I don't know. And it's yeah. like, it's the most relatable thing we all deal with. Like, what else is more common? What is, like, I'm asking you, what do you think is more common than death? Like I, I always say breathing, but not even, not every motherfucker can breathe. Taxes. Not everyone does taxes. <laughs> you can avoid taxes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like- Not everyone pays taxes. Not, yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and they say death and taxes, but like, you know, there's ways around taxes too. Not, not me. I do my, I pay my taxes, anyway, but you know, I'm just for argument's sake. So, yeah. you know, it's cool to hear your perspective. You know, like you, you've already said a few things that stood out. Um, more in particular, just the idea of, uh, you know, the, the, the double-sidedness of we want to survive and then, you know, the, but then the way it paints death. It's so interesting hearing that. I, I might've never thought of that if I didn't hear you. And that's what I'm hoping people want to listen to this shit, listen to you. You present it in such a way that I think we align with the humor. You know, I'm not a comedian like you are, but I like, I like the, the, I think that's just a way of just deflating it and not in a disrespectful way. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, um, uh... Yeah, I think that I I actually did um I did I did a podcast about it in which I just talked about my dad's passing and um and and yeah and I I I really feel strongly about you don't I know it's it's like the unthinkable right and I I don't wish I don't wish it upon anybody any of my friends I'm like dude I hope your parents live till they're 180 and yeah. and they just become like put them in the museum <clears throat> of natural history as like phenomenons but um <laughs> but I'm telling you you don't and I mean this, you don't want to miss out on that part either because it's it's beautiful. And I feel, I'm telling you, I feel my dad everywhere. Like I light a candle for him and you know, I'm I'm working right now. It's funny, I'm writing, I'm 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 writing a book. I'm writing what's well, a manuscript right now. Your manuscript. And I'm not calling it a memoir. I'm not calling it a memoir. I'm calling it a, a recollection. Okay. <laughs> and I want to be deep, so I'm thinking of calling it a deep recollection. Okay. <laughs> but that'll nice. be the second title. The first title, I don't want to talk about it because it's too good. Someone's going to steal it. But the whole, it's a combination of, of stories that I've done in stand-up that were really painful at some point, And then I turned them into jokes. I love that. Um, and it's given me an opportunity to go back to and almost like rewrite my my past and rewrite it in a way that that makes me laugh. Like, you know, my sister was this prodigy concert pianist and I had no talent whatsoever, which did wonders for my self-esteem. <laughs> so I can yeah. begin to tell you like what a gift it is to have a prodigy sibling takes you to therapy your whole life. <laughs> okay. And my parents' friends were always like, so what instrument do you play? 
And I would be like, uh, just with my skin flu. I was, <laughs> I was, I was wanted to drop that bomb. So happy you said that. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, and that would shut them up. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes I would open them yeah. up, depending on the friend. And these were the eighties. Got Venezuela. any extra stem cells for me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so you know, where back in the day that was a, a very painful thing to talk about, or um, or or a source of jealousy or whatever. Um, now I can laugh about it, you know? And I used to tell my mom, mom, I'm gonna be a big star one day too, mom, you'll see. And she would just laugh and go, she would go, I'm mijo, you should do stand up. And I'm like, well, here I am, mom, <laughs> look at me now. I love it. So um, it, it's good, it's, I don't know. I feel like I, um, I, my stories were getting a little dark. I was gonna, I was going through memory lane and they were getting kind of, woo, like I was actually like uh, second guessing this book idea because I was like, dude, this is, I'm reliving things that I already put to bed. But then I asked my dad for guidance and and I had that epiphany. I'm like, oh my God, they're all, I'm going to turn this into comedy skits and, and part of a set. And now it's it. like, now I'm loving it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you literally rewrote your your, your memories. You rewrote it in a comedic way. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 ref that's why part of these conversations are just good because I told you, and I texted you right before um, I checked it, I had this work call I got to take. I have to lay some horrible news, not horrible news. It's horrible is a very strong word. It's not as bad as death. Um, just work related, just crap I have to deal with. And then like when I have these conversations, like in the middle of it, I'm trying to keep my brain focused on you that I'm thinking, like, who cares? Like in regards to what I'm, what I have to do after this, my real estate business, like, I'm really thinking about it. it's going to be like the biggest deal, quote unquote. But like, <laughs> we're talking about this, and it's like it's nice to like it deflates that. Like it's we're deflating death in a sense that it's easier to talk about and making it um, a little nicer and funnier. However, we're doing it, but deflating death deflates the the nonsense and the stimulus and the noise around us in life too. In my opinion, like when you really think about death and what it is and being okay with that, why is everything else like how is anything else going to be a big deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the things we quote unquote make a big deal that are stressful in our everyday life that are routine and there's the noise of our life it's when you i think when you come to when we can come to peace with death and the finality of life it's like there's all this other stuff really is it really as important as we're making it up to be yeah it does everything it, it dims down the, sh the bullshit it raises up what's important your family and love so that's why i think I, like death is in the center of it all and then yeah. life is around it and yeah. so i just think you know i don't want to wake people up and say let's talk about death this morning but like be conscious of it. Well, I think even, you know, what what we're going through right now, right, with this COVID-19, it's we're going through a death. We're going through the death of the American dream. We really are. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in a third world country. And listen, when I was 10, the country would go on riots and it was martial law. You couldn't leave your house. We had quarantine, not leave past five. I finally moved to the U.S. when I was 12. And, you know, Disneyland, the U.S. is Disneyland and Toys R Us and air conditioned everywhere and people stop at stop signs. And I remember being little, like telling my grandma, is like, grandma, why do these gringos stop at stop signs when no one can catch them? And she'll be like, Ay, they're so weird. You know, like I remember like. That's crazy. So so now, but now, I mean, you know, not the not that the U.S. is a third world country yet, but, you know, we, we experience shortage of toilet paper or we experience quarantine. You got to be home by 10 and, and things that we had never experienced. I mean, um, that's not necessarily true if you're on the older generation, but I say in my generation, maybe your generation, we had never been, in, we've never encountered anything like this. And 
it's a death. It's a death of yeah. what we thought life was going to be about. You know, we thought life was going to be about the house in the hills and having three kids. And, and not that they're not anymore, but not the way that we had dreamed them. I think the American dream is is different. And, it, and, and it's a good thing because it's happening. No one even knows the outcome of how this whole thing is going to be or the kind of PTSD that we're all going to have, right? No one has that. We haven't even hit the climax of, of I mean, this might, this shit might turn into Mad Max. I mean, I don't know. Just watched that the other day. <laughs> so that's very vivid. If that happens to Mad Max, I'm, I'm fucked. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. But I do think that uh, as far as like a reset and as far as like, you know, I remember when my dad was about to die and, and he told his best friend, I'm not going to work anymore. And then his friend who was his age was like, wow, it took him this to to realize I'm, I'm going to stop working. And now in a way, we're all in a mandatory um, retirement in a way. Because even yeah. I know you're working and I'm working, but you have, obviously you've had time off. It's different. It's different. It's a whole <clears throat> different way of relating to work. And I love how you, you're kind of relating it to death because- uh how we alluded to earlier about the beauty and the pain, I think it could be exemplified what we're going through with this whole, whatever's going on in the world today in the United States, the same way where it's, I mean, it's all, it seems like a lot of pain and a lot of tough things going on, but at the same time, who knows, maybe we'll come out of this better and we can see the beauty somehow. Yeah. And I think, I think if we have that perspective with everything, and it's, I think it's easy just to push that away and say, oh, living in a fairy, like nothing's that happy and go lucky, but at the same time, I think it's like the lotus flower that grows from the mud. You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's all pain right now, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe we'll be better well, off. You know what? And I, I was saying this for a while and I'm going to start saying it again. I mean, people need to remember, it doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, life? Yeah. I mean, did that, I mean, yeah, I guess. But I mean, oh, that like, it, maybe. no, it doesn't. I mean, yeah. what, you think you're going to be 90 years old watching the prices, right? And then you'll go, <laughs> and then that's it? No, you're going to get a call and it's going to be about a mole or it's going to be like someone was driving and had a little too much fun in the bad mitzvah they were coming yeah. from. And you just happen to be the asshole. You know what I mean? It just, and, and, by, and I mean, it doesn't end well sarcastically. And by that, I mean, it ends really well mm. because we go on and we leave this body behind and, and we, you know, and Something's we are eternal. Next. Yeah. That the word eternal freaks me out. There's a great, I mentioned if I mentioned this in the podcast, whatever, skip ahead. But the Jim Jeffries skit mentions um, being eternal. Oh, yeah, and he, the way he says, like, I don't care. It's like eternal. It's like forever. It's like eventually I'll get bored in his Australian accent, but it's true. Eternal freaks me out. It's weird. I, I really start thinking about this stuff. I'm like, I think Larry David did something on that too. Oh, this sounds yeah, like a Larry yeah, David bit yeah. too. But it's just the, the idea of it being eternal freaks me out more than the idea of just dying. Like the fact that we just continue to do whatever the next phases are, are just forever but i guess if it's truly have love then it's, or i'm not going to know where i was i don't know but the idea of being eternal forever really makes me like cross-eyed right I well know. i i think we don't have I, I i just don't think we have the bandwidth to understand what even forever i mean right. we literally there could be like you could be in like five different realities happening at the same time we don't so know. what? what do you, what's forever? Like so, forever so we don't eternal. Know. So I wouldn't even don't even stress about that part. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not so much. It's just I, it's not like I constantly think about that. And I'm cross-eyed for the mm. whole day, but it's moments <laughs> I just think about. I'm looking. I'm like, oh shit. Then I got to catch myself. So it's a balance of just I think everything in moderation. Like I don't want to ignore it, but I also want to like 
obsess about it because if I do obsess about it, then it's a weird, it's a weird rabbit hole. Yeah. And I'm, I know that by myself by now. But at the end of the day, we just gotta live. I love that. Um, I love that you. Um, that one of your intentions of doing this show is to celebrate others, people, other people's family members that have passed because you feel that you've been over celebrated every year <laughs> you know what i mean and you want to spread the love um that's that's very um that's very sweet and and you know um and you and i talked about this a little earlier which was when we first talked about i was in new york city during 9-11 and my ex was in the building i thought he was dead for five hours and and everyone has i mean no one this is a, that's a day everybody remembers what they were doing where they were and I immediately asked you if your dad worked for uh, Cantor Fitzgerald right. because I, 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 I just I knew people that worked there and um, and I knew that those were the floors that were heavily affected. So um, yeah, I um, I, I have a special connection with with you about that because um, I was there. I and was I, there. I, I thank you for sharing that because it hit me hard when you first said like no shit because it's I mean I was twelve years old. Can't really. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I would. I have no idea how bad I would want to be there. I don't know what I would do being there, but something about just being there, is just something that I, you know, I almost wish it I was weird for that him. they locked us. Well, it wasn't weird. It made sense, right? Nobody knew, but I, my sister was in New Jersey. My, I just I remember that um, it was a feeling of like caged, um, and we couldn't leave. Um, but it was. Um, it was such mayhem, you know. It was. Um, you said you saw the tower actually. I saw, yeah, I saw, saw, I saw World Trade One and World Trade Two go down because you could see them because I was right on Christopher and and Sixth Avenue. Okay, and you could just see them both right there. Um, Christopher and Sixth is pretty close. Yeah, yeah, that's like the West Village. It's da- yeah, it's yeah. Down, it's down, yeah, it's that's wild. Yeah, and um, man, my none of the phones were working, and my the only call that got through was him. At one, and he said, "George, I'm okay. I'm alive." He didn't say Jorge. No, he didn't say. Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Are you trying to be funny? That's fine. I need the. You can be funny. Too. Okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I won't use it. Don't worry. I'll put you blast on here. But... So, so what I like to say in my stand up too is like, um, that people are, people are always asking me, "Do I want to be George or Jorge?" Right? Do you want to be George or Jorge? And I'm like, dude, like it, it doesn't matter. It's like, um. It, it, like it doesn't matter it's like what are you able to pronounce okay that that's my question and i usually let anybody call me george or Jorge except for the brits because in my experience the brits are so freaking white so they're always trying to be all latino and spicy and they're like well so what and this is those are the ones that are not allowed to call me because they'll go so what is it that you want to be called is it jorge and i'm like no not it's funny whenever i see jorge i literally i n- never never even registers to call him jorge george you know you don't but other people do okay other people do yeah, and I, it's got and I, and I i think at the end it's like i moved to miami when i was 12 and i'm telling you in miami it's not like here all the jorge's become george so i i didn't really have an option it was like people phonetically were like oh george george so i just kind of went with it and you know you're trying to simulate and yeah, yeah, yeah. but then i got here and people are like no you're jorge you should own it in like in LA, what? yeah, in yeah. LA, and like, oh, like you, and then I'm like, I guess, and then I just felt like I was being so hot. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it's true. Jorge is a very like sensual name, but I I I, I got familiarized. But with- I use it once in a while when I know it's gonna work. Like years ago, I I my dream was to always meet Anderson Cooper. Okay. And I would always tell my friends, oh, I'm gonna marry him. Gloria Vanderbilt is gonna be my mom in law. We're gonna go buy houses in Bridgehampton. The whole thing. And I ran into him once, and I'll never forget that I. I said, Anderson, and he turned around, he's like, hey. And then I went, hey, nice to meet you. I'm like, my name is Jorge Perez. Because <laughs> I knew he was into Latin guys. And his little beady eyes like opened up. Like He goes, hi. <laughs> That's am- so keep once in a while, I keep it real. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a Yankee fan. A Yankee fan growing up, so there's a, fa- a well-known Yankee catcher. His name is Jorge Posada. So that's yeah. how I got familiarized with Jorge. Never George. I'm actually, I'm not even a Jorge. I'm offended by George, to be honest, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but I mean- I guess we leave it on the Jorge line, but uh, I don't know if there's any last comments you want to mention. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm happy you guys we got the chance to talk because you have yeah, some really no, cool insights. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, I uh, well, this has been such a treat, and I um, like I said, it, it's um, I was I was in Malibu all day today with a friend of mine, and who also, by the way, he's um, he. This is what I'm loving about this time of COVID in a way, because we're seeing everybody either going back home to changing their lifestyles, changing careers. You know what I mean? We're experiencing all these changes. And this friend of mine is literally going back to run the father's business. And his dad wow. and him have never been really close. And But now the dad is seeing how he's taking over the business and the dad... And and we had this beautiful day talking about dads. And then I don't know where the dad sent him like a joke, like a funny joke video. And he's like, oh my God, my dad's never sent me this in my whole life. And I'm like, you see, you're like, we're talking about this and things are opening up. And then, and then, um, so anyway, so I've had a, a day filled with dad stories and, and I think it's beautiful to, um, to kind of end it with this conversation. I love it, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again. Uh, George Perez. I don't know why. I Jorge for you. Jorge, Jorge for you. Jorge for me, George for you. Uh, thank you again, <laughs> Outliers TV. If you want to check out his podcast, I'm going to have to do the same and uh, get through all your episodes. Thank awesome, you so much. Uh, I look forward to other people hearing your story, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Jorge out, David out. Thank you so much, guys. Later. Later.